Hello and welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Mariah McManus-Goss and I am here with my dad. What's up? I'm Roman McManus and it's so good to be here with you, sweetie. Good to be here with you. Um, You're sitting in Aaron's chair. I am sitting in Aaron's chair. I'm honored. I am your guest host today. That's awesome. I am very nervous and it's going to be great. We're just talking. Hold on. Before we jump in. To anything? I have to... (laughs) say that your book is coming out, The Genius of Jesus, September 14th. Um, So pre-order it anywhere you pre-order books. Get it. It's going to be amazing. We're so excited. We're getting ready for that. I'm so excited. And thank you for highlighting that. The Genius of Jesus, September 14th. You can pick it up anywhere like barnesandnobles.com or amazon.com or Mm -hmm. any outlet or any bookstore that a bookstore. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) If you know of one, definitely go there. We're so excited. We're proud of you. I'm ready to to read it. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. I'm really excited about the dedication. What is what is tell me about that? Well, the dedication is oh, the book is dedicated to my sweet little Juno Boogie. <laughs> McManus Goss. Cute. Your little sweetheart. Yes. Who is now what? Six weeks old? Six weeks old. I have a baby. What's it like to be a mom now? Um, it's terrifying and fun. It's way more fun than I thought, and people try to scare you before you have a baby, <laughs> and I can honestly say that it is scary, but it's really fun, and right. she's she's smiling a lot now and making all sorts of sounds. And That's awesome. Now, you married a drummer mm-hmm. who was in a band called Lainey, mm-hmm. Jake, mm-hmm. so um, two questions. What kind of dad is he, and anything surprise you about the way he's um, related to Juno in the first six weeks? What kind of dad is he? Um, he is so far the dad who um, the second she cries must pick her up and must <laughs> <laughs> make sure that she's okay. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, let her cry out. We have to. She has to sleep eventually. Um, so he's very, very sensitive, which very, is not very surprising. attentive, attentive, very tender, sweet. Um, that's how he is as a husband it is it is who he is through and through and it is who I am through and through so (laughs) we have not changed one bit Um, and I yeah he just I'm surprised that he connected with her so soon he just loves her he watches the playoffs ever since she was born they started like the day she was born so we have been watching every second she just lays there with him and they watch sports are you watching basketball in the hospital yes so you're in the hospital <laughs> having a baby and you're watching the NBA yes. playoffs. <laughs> Literally for, we were there like four days, every second of those four days we watched well, the that, NBA playoffs. That's commitment. That's commitment. It is. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know you, you've always been a Suns fan. I have always been a Suns fan. I mean, fan. pretty much all your life. I would take you to Clipper games and you love the Clippers. I'm a Clippers fan first, but yeah. then Suns second. But you always loved the Suns, all the way back to Steve Nash. I loved Steve Nash. Yeah, but now it seems like you love a guy named Booker. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> but, but I don't really know if you love him because of his basketball skills. He's a great <laughs> basketball player. He's also <laughs> fun to watch. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice to look at. How does Jake feel about that? Oh, he he agrees. <laughs> we have the same NBA crushes. <laughs> All right, that's good. Well, it's so neat as your dad to be a granddad mm-hmm. and to watch my little girl have a little girl is uh, something that is indescribable. It's unbelievable. And 
I get to hang out with Juno and we have a great time and and um, <laughs> she just sleeps all the time. She just sleeps a whole lot. And it's <laughs> kind of funny because she's sleeping a lot. Uh-huh. In fact, she's she's sleeping more than I remember any baby ever sleeping. <laughs> and whenever she's, she's asleep, I go, Oh, she's like Jake. Because <laughs> Jake is calm and peaceful and and restful and you're more um Type A personality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Choosing your words wisely. <laughs> a little more driven, a little more, yeah, you know, I, high energy, high activity scores and in mm-hmm. your assessments. And you're you're more like me in that way. You said this to me earlier, and I thought it was funny that you you think that <laughs> calm and sleep live <laughs> exclusively. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that sleeping is a virtue. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a character trait. It's a temperament. <laughs> I do remember one time I was getting off an airplane. And this man said to this woman with a little baby, um, hey, lady, your baby is so well-behaved. And the woman said, my baby's not well-behaved. My baby was asleep. (laughs) 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 And I think sometimes when you have a baby, you're going, sleep is (laughs) well-behaved. For sure. That's when they're on their best behavior. So, But but I just wanted to highlight that and congratulate you and Jake. And I uh, just celebrate that. So awesome. Yeah, we're excited. So there's several things that have been happening this week before we get to our topic. We do have a very specific topic. Yes, we do. Uh, but you were mentioning... Um, Shakari. Shakari. I'm so Richardson. always afraid to get her name wrong. Shakari Richardson, mm-hmm. who uh, is a U.S. sprinter, mm-hmm. I think the sixth fastest woman in the world. And she was just banned from the Tokyo games mm-hmm. for smoking weed for smoking weed for mm-hmm. testing positive yeah for, weed. for marijuana and uh you brought that up I, I, what are your thoughts on this I mean now we're getting into battle ready stuff right now right <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm no Aaron McManus but I have a few thoughts <laughs> I love her she's I mean if you've watched any of her interviews I like they're they bring tears to your eyes because you she's like someone that that you want to see succeed mm. and so it makes it that much harder because right. when you love someone or when you are rooting for someone and she's had, you know, she she talks about how she's struggled in so many with so many coaches, with so many, you know, people saying you'll never do it. You'll never do it. And she's wow. like, I've done it. You know, like they said, like when she went to college, she, she won't be the fastest person. She was, you know, like they said she wouldn't qualify for the Olympics. She did. Mm-hmm. So she's one of those people where you're like, I just want you to 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 do what everyone said that you couldn't do. Mm. And so if. I think that's like sort of the hit that the sports world felt, which is like this person who you want to succeed is now banned for something that's legal most places. That's not performance enhancing. It's honestly performance <laughs> diminishing. <laughs> most people that are smoking weed yeah. are in bed eating Fritos or Taco Bell. Like that's not. <laughs> you, you know, I, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but when I think of somebody smoking weed, I'm normally thinking of like three or four 27 year old white guy is sitting on a sofa eating chips yeah playing video games watching doing, family guy and or doing nothing with their life yeah and and so if there's ever been a concern about weed it's you know it's going to be it's going to diminish people's ambitions it's going to diminish their drive it's going to yeah. make them lethargic um and and that will be the negative effect on society for sure <laughs> no one has ever said it's going to make a world-class sprinter faster, faster. <laughs> <laughs> i can't even run fast without anything <laughs> you know like no. nothing will make me run that fast and yeah it, so it, it's it's one of those odd things where one um she's someone that we want to celebrate mm-hmm. 
and she makes you want to celebrate her. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter. Like it's it's funny. Like because so many barriers are broken with her. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's a woman and she's a celebrity. She's black, I believe. She's lesbian, mm-hmm. and uh, she's from a more uh, I think impoverished economic background. So she's like faced so many challenges yeah. in her life, and she has swag yeah (laughs) she's so fun you know her hair the way she just Mm -hmm. makes herself up she just some people just have that star quality Mm -hmm. and she does have that star quality and and but sometimes people have star quality and are unlikable Mm -hmm. like she has star quality and she's really likable yeah and and so i i I, all right so now you are the you're the uh, olympic committee (laughs) what do you do i mean it's tough because i I think if it's a rule, like it, we were saying, like, I don't know if it should be a rule. I, It doesn't make sense that it's a rule if it's legal, you know, in so many places. It's not performance enhancing. But if all drugs are banned, then it makes sense. You know, and it's 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 tough because I think the Olympics are a place where um, unrealistic expectations are required of every Olympian. Mm -hmm. You know, that is the Olympics. It is the superhuman. It is this, (laughs) like, you know, how are these people even doing what they do? But that's what it's meant to be is this, you know, pure, like, real, authentic talent um, that's been cultivated over decades and decades. And so I understand why she's banned because it's a rule. I think it becomes really, really murky and gray if you allow one person, when it's still a rule, mm-hmm. to do what you've what you've not allowed for generations and gener- for decades and decades. So and you're days. basically saying if you have rules, you need to keep them, but you need to look at the rules if they're stupid and they need to be changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm hearing. That's my yeah. summary. Because in my mind, I'm going back to um, – you know, and this is way before your time, but for so long we knew East Germany when they existed as a nation using, <laughs> you know, performance-enhancing drugs. The Soviet Union using performance-enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. China using per- performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. The United States of America <laughs> <laughs> using performance-enhancing drugs. You think of people like Lance Armstrong who yeah. uh, used, you know, performance-enhancing techniques and processes and drugs to... Um, to make him superior to other mm-hmm. bikers. And to put this in that category to me is, first of all, really absurd. Yeah. I did see someone put, well, this is racist, you know, um, putting pot in that category is racist. And I'm not sure if it's racist in its inception. I don't know enough to know. Yeah. Like when they were first putting this rule together, because ironically, I always thought of pot as like, is something like white guys do a lot. <laughs> you know, I've never in my mind thought, Oh, this is this is something superhuman, athletic, yeah. you know, world class athlete to do, you know, whether the white or black or whatever. Mm-hmm. And but I do think it's archaic. Mm-hmm. And and then it, it you, you get a thirty day suspension, which just happens to cover the Olympic yeah. Games. This is where I think the spirit of the law needs to be more powerful than the rule of the law. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been easy for the Olympic Committee to say you have a 15-day suspension. Or, I mean, she's losing the entire Olympics. You don't get that back. Yeah. The Olympics don't, will not come back for four more years or whatever. And she'll be four years older. Yeah. And you only get so many shots at the Olympic in your lifetime. To lose that, the penalty seems to me to be too severe. I yeah. mean, just to be, you know, honest. Totally. You know, and, <clears throat> and I'm wondering... 
if it had been a different athlete, would they have like rethought the situation? Because I, I, I do, I look at the NBA and I do think that the way certain athletes, the way the rules are interpreted for LeBron is different. Yeah. The way the, the rules translated for someone who is not a star. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I, I have a feeling the Olympic Committee could have been creative enough to find a way around this or something right. like that. Um, but I, I do think like that's why I hate rules. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so if there are rules, I hold them really harshly. And because I want to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the only way to get rid of bad rules is to hold them. But this is a situation to me where that rule is so antiquated that yeah. they should have, the committee should have, in a sense, policied itself and said this rule no longer really is applicable. But that requires people to do their job. Yes. <laughs> and, and to think. That's what that I think. I wonder if like on committees like that, it's easier to have blanket rules, easier to lump every, you know, in this case, mm-hmm. every drug known to man, regardless of its effect or if it actually enhances anything. Mm-hmm. Because then if there's exceptions, if there if you're doing it on a situation by situation basis, it requires you to think, to have mm-hmm. systems and processes and people who are in place that can actually take each situation and and act accordingly, you yeah. know? I do think we should note that she has not complained one time. Yeah. Her she, response was, I'm human. Yeah. I'm you. I just run faster. Yeah. And and she said, I know what was required. I know what yeah. I did. And uh, that just makes me respect her more. <laughs> Other people are fighting for her. Other people are advocating on her behalf. Yeah. Other people are saying it's racist or or other people are saying it's stupid. Yeah. And not everything is racist. Some things are just stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and but I love the fact that she just took responsibility, said I knew what the rules were. I did it anyway. Yeah. And I knew what the consequences would be if I got caught in this. And and I just I just I, I have nothing but respect for her. Yeah. You know, and and I do think that there are transitions where there are people in jail today because they were smoking pot or they got caught with weed or they were selling pot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now I'm going, wait a minute. Now there are giant companies selling pot. Yeah. So you have to like stop and go, we should let the people out of jail who went to prison for what now is a free economy. Right. <laughs> you just have to accept the fact that it was it was it was illegal then, but now it's legal and you need to go back and revisit all the decisions yeah. you made. You know, and I think the same with her. Yeah. There was a time where pot was illegal, and maybe that's why it was in that category. Mm-hmm. It's not illegal in, in many places now, and it's going to be legal probably everywhere eventually. This is an archaic perspective on on uh, personal accountability. And, yeah. And I love the fact that she took responsibility. I love the fact that she's not blaming anybody but herself. Mm-hmm. But I just think that the Olympic committee should actually have a higher way of thinking in this moment. Yeah. So that's my thought. I'm curious what you think then. Is it Reggie Bush with the Heisman Trophy thing? Yeah. What is, what is, what are your thoughts on that? Because wasn't it. Give Reggie back his trophy. (laughs) (laughs) That's my position. It's it's kind of a similar issue, right? Where he was taking endorsements or taking money from, I don't know enough about it. I just know now you can, as in the NCAA, you can. Now you can make money on your image, on your, you know, celebrity on your, on your work as an athlete. Right. Yeah, yeah, I've always thought it was wrong. Yeah, I I mean, this is some of the things you have to consider. And I'm just going to say this. The more white a sport is, the more you're allowed to make money when you're young. Hmm. 
And so tennis has historically been a white sport. You can become a pro tennis player at any age. Yeah, golf. Golf is historically a white sport. You can make money on golf at any age. Mm -hmm. Baseball, before it became more, you know, uh, Dominican and others, it was historically a white sport. You can you can go to baseball and make money at any age. Uh, basketball and football um, very quickly became dominated um, by phenomenal black athletes. Mm -hmm. And those are the two sports yeah. that the system says, no, 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 you, you can't go leap from here to there yeah. and without coming to college. And I'm going, wait a minute, you're telling me Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, LeBron mm -hmm. James really should have gone to college. <laughs> and uh, and it, it, all right, this country is a capitalist country. This is this this country is built on the right to make money. <laughs> How do you mm -hmm. tell a 17 year old kid, um, even though you're good enough to play in the NBA, we're not going to let you because we're we, we we're, we're trying to protect you, you know, from making 40 million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to go to Duke <laughs> for two years and uh, or to Carolina where I went. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think those systems are they do have some entrenched racism in yeah. them and uh, and they need to be revisited at, yeah. at a pretty significant level so i like this change and yeah. i do and i do think that uh, a part of cultural humility is going wow we really made a mistake yeah you know i mean i, I keep going in my mind back to uh, what's called prohibition where the united states decided that alcohol should be illegal <laughs> you know that worked right yeah. <laughs> and and it was during prohibition that really um organized crime flourished that's where mm -hmm. the mafia really flourished because people were going to buy alcohol <laughs> and so it's kind of ironic there was never a scientific moment or a medical moment where they went oh we were wrong alcohol is really good for you <laughs> and they, they, they just came to home and said we can't stop it yeah. so we might as well tax it mm -hmm. and uh but I, I, I look at it now and I look, there's so many things that we try to act like it's a moral decision. It's not it's just a purely economic decision. Yeah. And the NCAA, the, you know, football and college football and college basketball created systems to make sure they could keep talent in their schools. And those schools make billions of dollars on those young kids who are not allowed to make a penny. And, right. I, and I some have, scraping by. Yeah. And I have friends who played for major universities and they told me I was always hungry. I um, I didn't have enough money for clothes. Yeah. My mom uh, was starving. My brothers and sisters, um, you know, were cold in the winter and didn't have clothes and shoes for school. And I'm here playing, you know, at this university. Alabama's making a lot of money on that kid. Yeah. Ohio State's making a lot of money on that kid. And to say that that student shouldn't make some money for his hard work, man, in this, I am so capitalistic. Yeah. Kid, go out there. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're playing football for Alabama, you make all the money you can on yeah. your image of celebrity. And um, and and I so I think this is a great move. And I I think Reggie Bush, they just pick people and go, we're gonna punish that person as an example. Right. Totally. You know, so many other people did so much more. Yeah. You know. Totally. So um, we're, <laughs> never oh. thought I'd be on the sports episode of that already. <laughs> actually, I thought that was a pretty good little uh, uh, session there. But uh, we actually have one topic that we really want to yes. make sure we cover. Yes, it is my brother's birthday today, today. July 9th, 2021. No. <laughs> when, when was he born? I, 1988? 1988. He's exactly 33, 33 years, years old, old today. 
Happy birthday, Aaron. Happy birthday, Aaron. Christopher McManus. So we thought since he's not technically here, even though he's literally behind that door because he can't <laughs> he, did, he just walked out. He didn't he want did? to hear what we were going to say. He yes, left. he did. <laughs> okay, good. Now we can say whatever right. we want. We want to talk a little bit about Aaron. And we do. This is our little homage to Aaron McManus on this yes. Bow Ray podcast. Even though it's taken us a while to get to this to get stop, yeah. to the topic. And do we need to cut this into two sections because yeah. it's so, so long? And So, yeah, we wanted to talk about my brother. and He really wanted you to do this podcast. He, he did. He loves when you do it. He wants you to do it more often. And the one, the one way that I got here was to talk about Aaron. That's the only reason that I'm here because I love him and I – Love celebrating him, and he's such a unique <laughs> <laughs> person. And if you've been watching this podcast, you know that he is wildly opinionated, <laughs> but also really, really deeply thoughtful. And um, there's a lot that you don't see about Aaron on this podcast that he's incredibly tender, that he's um, a great leader. Hi, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Um, that he's an incredible brother, that he's a great son, that he, um, there's, there's just more to him than I think he lets anyone see. Yeah. He's a super loyal friend. A super loyal friend. He is, um, I mean, really loyal, <laughs> like mafia level loyal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, what is it? Was it right? Was it right or die? Right or die. <laughs> <laughs> Really, in in the true sense of that. So I'm, I'm it's just I'm going to ask you a couple of questions real quick. Okay. I mean, you've never known your life without Aaron. You're no. th- three years younger than him, mm-hmm. and so you've um, you were taller than him for a little season in life. I was, even though you're three years younger. He took, than a, him. He took a while to grow. <laughs> I hit that growth spurt late. He was very very small, <laughs> and you had like a giant. You were a giant up to yes. fourth grade. And it was a very odd kind of thing. <laughs> I think yeah. he hit his growth spurt in like college. Yeah. And, uh, where would you, what, what would you say are some of the ways that you and Aaron are the same? Oh gosh. And then we'll talk about some ways that you guys are different. Um, we're the same in our loyalty. I think I learned that from him though that he he's a protector, mm. and so I think that we're both protectors. Oftentimes we are protecting people from each other. <laughs> Um, but I think I've always grown up being protected by him and Mm. there's still, even though I'm his younger sister, there's times where I'm protecting him and times where he's protecting me and we do it wrong most of the time. (laughs) (coughs) But, um, I think at the end of the day, we are, we're protectors and I learned that from him. Um, now we don't use the Enneagram a, a whole lot. No. But you're both the same Enneagram. Mm-hmm. You're both eights. Yes. And what are some of the things you see there that you guys are both? Because it says that you're both like challengers. Yeah, I don't know a lot about the Enneagram, but yes, challengers, very <laughs> stubborn. Um, driven. Driven, ambitious. Will love conflict. <laughs> Definitely have that in common. We love conflict. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of similarities there and i think a lot of it comes down to like our convictions we both are very firm in what we believe um that's i guess where the difference is a lot of times it is the opposite (laughs) (laughs) or we have the opposite routes of getting to the same place Mm -hmm. and um you know we both really love our family Mm -hmm. you know and i think 
all everything that I am similar to Aaron in, it is because I learned it from Aaron. Mm. You know, he wasn't just my brother. You know, there's there's a lot of things about being a pastor's kid and and not just a pastor's kid, because I don't think every pastor's kid goes through what we went through. Mm-hmm. But your kid specifically. <laughs> My kid specifically. Your kid specifically. Sorry. That required Aaron to be not just a brother, but but in some ways a protector in the way that parents are. You mm-hmm. know? Because I think that there was when there's a greater calling on your family's life, a lot of times, um, I think it takes someone to see, like it took him to see me for me to be protected from a lot of the things mm. and to, for me to um, actually remember good good things, for mm. me to have learned the right things from the things we went through, for me to, um, like I know that he took the hit of a lot of things and still deals with those things because he wanted me to not have to take the hit. And so there's a lot of things that I don't have to deal with that he deals with because he protected me from them. Mm. And he was definitely your guardian. He has always been that way. And so I think I learned all of the the things that – the ways that were similar, I am that way because of him. And um, there's endless ways that we are different. (laughs) (laughs) It would be hard to list them all. Um, But – I think at the heart of it, we're very similar. We've always been similar um, on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that we do things, the way that we speak, the way that we choose to be, the way that we're experienced, I think is completely opposite. You know, he's he loves people. He, he'd probably never say it, but he is wildly <laughs> extroverted. <laughs> you know, he loves being on a podcast. I would rather die. <laughs> So the fact that I'm here is amazing. Um, you know, he he loves people being around people. He's always had that vibrant, <laughs> you know, like people are drawn to him. People, um, you know, not just his his personality and, you know, those dimples. How can you how can you deny them? Um, but his uh, his brilliance, he's he's brilliant. He's so smart. His insights, um, you know, but I'm the opposite in the way of like, I, you know, I'm probably the most private of the entire family. (laughs) I, you know, the way that I choose to, I don't, I can't be around people. I have social anxiety. Thank, thank you to you. (laughs) That's something I learned from you. Um, I'm glad I could give you something. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, And so in a lot of ways, like the, the outside is very different Mm. and, um, but the 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 outcomes are generally we're we're fighting for the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. we want the same things. We just go about them in like we go like that mm-hmm. and then we go <laughs> back around. Well, some ways I say you, you and Aaron are like Picasso and Michelangelo. You're both really brilliant and gifted, but you definitely have unique perspectives on the world you want to create and, right. and the things you see and or if it was F1, you're like Red Bull and Mercedes. <laughs> right. But which one and which season? <laughs> oh. And, uh, well, I'll let you decide who's Hamilton and who's Verstappen. But, uh, uh, you know, people are listening and like, what are some of the maybe leadership insights that you see through Aaron that would be great takeaways for people even listening? I mean, you know, I think... 
Aaron has, if if you've ever met Aaron, if you've ever been on a team with Aaron, you know that he has a fierce commitment to whatever he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he will see it through and it and it generally will be the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. And I think his commitment to things um, sometimes really scares people because he's extremely intense. Mm-hmm. And I think in church contexts, we think that we have to be less ourselves because um, we're working with people or it's a church. So like we have to be like nice mm-hmm. and stuff or we have to be like overly worried about people's feelings and not to say that he does not care fiercely about everyone around him, but he also believes that what he's doing is, you know, the most important thing that in the world, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's for churches, for Jesus. There's no convincing him that whatever he's focused on is not the most important thing. And I think that his intensity has taught all of us around him, all of us around him to be fiercely intense because Mm -hmm. it matters so much. Mm -hmm. And so I think where we try to get off sometimes and be (laughs) like, oh, we'll just do this the easy way or we'll just do it this way because it's the way we've always done it. He challenges everyone around him. You know, why are you doing it that way? Why do you feel like this is the important thing? Why why are you letting things (laughs) slide? You know, like the, the intensity I think has taught everyone, including myself, you know, like when he moved back from New York, I had never seen intensity like that. Not even from, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was a different person I was looking at. And um, over the years, as it's grown, as it's matured, as it's changed, Mm -hmm. it's become something that that I've had to learn. Like this is this is how you have to live. Like you don't have to dial yourself back. You need to lean into it. You need to be as intense as you can because this is the most important thing in the world, you know? It's interesting. He always felt like, in New York, he matched the rhythm better because people are really super hardworking. A lot of people come to LA, they're not as hardworking. They just want to be, they, they really believe they're going to be famous because they're so pretty yeah, <laughs> or so handsome, mm-hmm. you know? And so the work ethic really isn't here as, as much. Yeah. And, um, and it's like the vibe of the city too. Yeah. The vibe, the city's just, chill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, and that doesn't really so Aaron in some ways is like a New Yorker inside of an Angelino's body. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and but you have a lot of that too, by the way. <laughs> You're very driven. <laughs> and that's but I think a lot yeah. of that is because when he came back, I I realized like this intensity is good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I felt released to be able to be as intense as I felt like I have been since birth, (laughs) you know, because you and mom are very intense and you don't, and you don't scale it back at all, but you definitely, both of you have the social skills to back it up, (laughs) to make it, you know, like you're very gentle. So your intensity is met with, is met with a gentle spirit. You know, mom's Mm -hmm. intensity is met with, with hospitality. She wants to Mm -hmm. help people and so i think growing up both of us feeling the intensity but not necessarily having developed the the gentler side or Mm -hmm. the the purpose side of intensity you know right i think once aaron came back and and had a purpose it became this like beautiful marriage of okay intensity and purpose can be explosive in the best way Mm. you know but intensity without 
purpose. It's other hand. It's really destructive. It's really destructive. And I think as an intense person, I can say that that other side of intensity isn't always as strong as the intensity and it becomes Mm self-destructive. And so it's always, that's like why I feel like Aaron really has thrived in the context of of church and creativity and art, it's like because his intensity had a purpose mm-hmm. and that created something unique. And so, you know, I think hopefully the church and 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 the people that are listening or or whoever that are creating something have that intensity because if you just have this like idea and you don't have the intensity, it will always be an idea. But if you only have the intensity, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it will become destructive. And I think there's there's a lot of beauty and and, you know, untapped potential that comes when you can marry those two things and, and point it towards something. And I think that's what Aaron is. Mm. You know, he he takes an intensity and he finds any purpose that he can mm. he finds friends that he can love and and it becomes you know beautiful and he finds you know clothes to design mm-hmm. or surfboards to create or companies to start or you know people to love buildings to demolish you know it's <laughs> like he always finds something and that's when he's at his best is when that intensity is met with a purpose and um he's definitely all or nothing all or nothing. Even in relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's either, you know, no, this is not, or it, it's all everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's zero to 100, not zero to 60. No. You not know. even zero to zero to one would be a good start. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> and, uh, but um, all right. So one of the things that really strikes me is that growing up both of you had to deal with so many um uncertainties you mm-hmm. lived in a world of change all the time you had yeah to, you know and and so you didn't have a lot of things like i think a lot of people grew up with stability and they grew up with they you did. know wow right that's nice <laughs> <laughs> they, they know the world's gonna be the same tomorrow and right. you and aaron really grew up with a lot of change mm-hmm. um you know everything was uncertain right and um i guess i want to ask you a little bit you know as you're dealing with yeah, you're talking about your brother and you're talking about like what do you have any moments that really stand out to you from your journey together as kids? You know, that just stands out to you as one of the ways you that defines who Aaron is as a person. Hmm. I mean, one thing I always that I always remember is us sitting on our roof. So there was a Aaron and I's bedrooms at this house that we rented in Whittier where mm-hmm. I grew up. Mm-hmm. It's the only place I think yeah. I lived. You lived in Whittier. Yeah. For a long time. yeah. Um, in between our bedrooms was our bathroom. So we shared a bathroom and in the bathroom, which is truly the most, da- now being a parent, I'm like, this is the most <laughs> dangerous thing in the entire world. In that bathroom, yeah. you climbed up on the counter. There was a window to the roof. Yep. And no one had to show us that. We found that on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would go sit on the roof all the time. So, you know, I wanted to run away. I sat on the roof. You know, like we wanted to. Aaron one time jumped off the roof. Yep. Um, which really to me is Aaron. Like that's <laughs> the most Aaron thing to me is him jumping off that roof that we always. Yeah. You know, like he had to do it. 
he had to do it. You yeah, know, eventually he's like nine or ten years old. Yeah, eventually yeah. one of us was going to jump <laughs> off the roof. So, so at least you were there to get him. <laughs> um, but I remember us just sitting on the roof, and um, to me, I look back at that, and I and I know that there was so much complexity in him that we would we were emo as kids we were introspective <laughs> as kids that as children we were going on a roof to think and talk <laughs> and um i think it was always a safe place mm-hmm. you know i think that that as kids like he was always the safe place we would always go adventure in our neighborhood which was not a safe neighborhood at the time mm-hmm. um we he would always take me with him we would go through these little hills behind our house and we would <laughs> um skateboard all over the place in Whittier as as children and I I just remember those happy memories as as kids and and remembering that he was always the daredevil he was always the bold one he was the introspective one he was always meant for greatness for deep thought for for handling the deep complexities of life and um I just have that picture in my head all the time now of us sitting on the roof and climbing out of our bathroom window without our mm. parents knowing, which now is insane. Yeah, it's, it's my <laughs> first time hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you, you're both really, really deep thinkers. Mm-hmm. And um, and you, and yet there have been times like you guys have very different positions on so many different things. Mm-hmm. And then later you guys flip and you end up almost having different positions and it's been fun watching as a dad. Um, is it fun? It is, you know, because um, <laughs> I remember, I remember, I remember when you were, uh, when Aaron was younger. He said, "Dad, am I a Demo- Are we Democrats or Republicans?" <laughs> <laughs> I think at school, you know, they were right. probably defining everybody. And so I said, "Okay, well, let's see what you are." So I, I set up ten questions. And this is back to you hating rules. <laughs> <laughs> Most parents would just be like, we're this. <laughs> and so I said, okay, let's answer. The, you answer these questions and we'll know if you're a Democrat or Republican. <laughs> so I set it up where I knew he'd ask, answer five of them Democrat. And I knew he'd answer five of them Republican, <laughs> five of them liberal, five of them conservative. So when he finished answering them, it was five out of five. <laughs> and he goes, it's five out of five. What am I then? And I said, you go back to school and you tell them that we're free thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Erwin McManus thing in the world. <laughs> and with both of you, I tried to raise free thinkers. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's it's fascinating in our home. You know, a, a lot of homes, I meet a lot of people and they all think the same way. Yeah. You know, in our family, we really have like a, a spectrum of different positions and yeah. perspective and things. And and you learn how to like mutually respect that, which I think is is really really cool. Um, and I'm going to go to something that has nothing to do with this, but you guys had a band for a while called Glare of Rockets. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of free thinkers. <laughs> uh huh. And uh, do you remember any song you guys wrote? Oh, I remember all of the songs we wrote. All right, give, me, give, actually, me, give no, me part no, of the no, lyrics. No no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Back to the emo thing. Like, we were very emo. Um, those, that to me was, those are some of the most important memories, I think, because they formed what I would do for the 
literal rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, obviously I always wanted to do everything Aaron did. So any instrument he learned, I was next. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, he learned the drums. I learned the drums. He learned guitar. I learned guitar. He learned the bass. You learned the bass. Yeah. We, everything that he did, I wanted to do. And he... I feel like sometimes he took pity on me, but he started a band with me. <laughs> his younger sister who wanted to do everything with him. Um, and really we like, I think I was 15. Mm-hmm. And so he was 19. And um, we would play clubs all over LA yeah. and he would have to watch me because I was underage and all the yeah. security guards didn't believe that I wouldn't drink. And so they would, because you're not technically legally allowed you can play when you're 18 in a 21 and over venue but you can't play if you're under 18 and i was mm. really yeah definitely under yeah you're 15 he was 18 yeah um and so i just remember all of the the shows all of the hours practicing all of these memories with my brother that to me were only valuable because it was with him you know and mm-hmm. i had this person who was helping me realize these dreams with me and then when i moved to nashville when i was 18 out of high school he came with me (laughs) and he wrote this record with me and i didn't want to be alone and so he was the first one on a plane you know i was like in nashville for a week like it's cold here and i don't know how to live alone how do you do laundry what do you (laughs) how do you cook food um i probably had just learned to drive like you know i'm in this city by myself and he was like oh i'll come Mm. And he, that's just the kind of, you know, person that he is. And, you know, yes, we had a band. And I hope that you never Google it because <laughs> I don't want you to know. What? Are you Googling it? We found it. No. <laughs> and yet one of your friends made a T-shirt for Juno from <laughs> Glare <know>. Rockets. <laughs> a Glare Rockets T-shirt. But I am curious. How do you, how do you raise free thinkers? I know you're saying that, like, you did the like Democrat and Republican thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what you're saying, most families think in one lane, you yeah. know, and you are so anti-rules that I would ask you questions all the time. I want to know what, and I would say, just tell me <laughs> the answer. I don't want to think. <laughs> I want you to tell me well, if this is wrong. When, or one right. time I heard you say, I had to raise myself, which kind of hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> my dad wouldn't tell me not to drink. He wouldn't tell me not to do drugs. He wouldn't tell me. No. And, and I would beg you, just tell me what to, not to do. <laughs> like, I didn't want to know. You know, I always felt that that when you tell people what to do, you make them weaker. And when you help a person think through why they're going to do what they're going to do. You help them become a stronger human being. Mm -hmm. And so I I didn't want to impose even like my convictions. I want to, obviously I wanted both you and Aaron to meet Jesus in a real and life changing way, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want you guys to have to fake it. Right. And I didn't want you to feel obligated just because you're my daughter or my son to believe in Jesus, Mm -hmm. because I didn't want you to think that to have my love, you had to believe with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a challenge sometimes that parents who are Christians have is that their kids feel like the only way I'm ever going to be accepted or loved by my parents is to agree with them 100%. Right. I didn't want that for you guys, you, you know, because uh, it wasn't true. I was going to love you no matter what, you, you right. know. 
And and so part of the free free thinking for me was expose you to everything I could think of, you know. So because Aaron started traveling with me sooner than you did, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I I took him to the Shinto Temple in Tokyo when we were in Japan, and took him to the uh, the you know Thai Buddhist temples in Thailand, which you actually were also a part of, and Mm -hmm. took him to the. Uh, Shilai Temple in Hacienda Heights and, mm-hmm. you know, with the Hare Krishna community. I mean, I took him to every different kind of religious expression and experience, walked him through, and and I wanted to, I wanted to expose him to those things so that he would be a free thinker. Right. Because I thought, oh, wow, if I only tell him about Jesus, <laughs> and if I only tell you about Jesus, mm-hmm. and I don't, like, expose you to the world, you're going to be wondering one day, well, hey, why was my dad afraid that I— for me to learn about Buddhism, yeah, or why was my which dad... I was confu- convinced I was a Buddhist for. I found a, <laughs> a, a Buddhism book in our house, and then I was convinced I was Buddhist. Yes. I changed my mind, <laughs> but <laughs> and just like your sister Patty came home one day and said that she was a Muslim. Oh, and uh, oh, it's hilarious because <laughs> a lot of people don't know we have uh, a daughter, you know, who um, Ken did not give birth to, but we brought into our home when mm-hmm. she was a young. Uh, um, you know, a girl, and um, and when she was in high school, Patty came home one day and said she was a Muslim, and Kim freaked out and went <laughs> nuts. And and I said, okay, you know, if you're going to be a Muslim, then you need to take it seriously. Uh-huh. And you just started working through all the rules and everything. She needed to make sure she covered her head and her face, and mm-hmm. you know, she wore, you know, and and I said, you need to go to your friend who's a Muslim and ask her what the rules are. And and uh, it helped Patty really quickly to realize, oh, yeah, I don't think I am a Muslim. <laughs> and, uh, but but. Um, I just, you know, instead of like fighting against her, I just said, hey, let's study this. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to do this, you need to be devout. You need to be serious. You need to be sincere. Right. And, and you, you know, and there's a lot of things about Buddhism that I find to be incredibly appealing. The level of, you know, the um, values for kindness mm-hmm. and compassion, for mindfulness, for peace. Um, you know, the, um, the focus on being centered as a human being and not being controlled by out or circumstances. Yeah. And I think a lot of things in, in the Christian faith that um, because Christianity has been made so European, so so British, so American, it's mm-hmm. so Eastern, it's lost a lot of its actual Eastern influences because Jesus is from the Middle East. He's not from <laughs> London or yeah. from New York, you know, or, or, or Atlanta. Yeah. And, and so a lot of the Bible actually is far more ancient and it's far more um, connected to those kinds of principles, you know, yeah. the Bible talks a lot about meditation and things. So you you seem to pick up those aspects of who I was more quickly. Mm-hmm. You were drawn to those things, you know, that were more reflective and meditative and yeah. peace oriented and having a you're you're a very too intuitive person has a lot of high consciousness, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and Aaron was always like a questioner and a deep thinker. You know, yeah. he's probably you know, nine, 10 years old when he's telling me he wasn't sure if he would be a Christian, if he wasn't raised in a Christian home. I yeah. said, why? And he said, I have so many doubts and questions. And, and I just, this can be so hard for this kid, <laughs> you, know, you know, and, uh, Already done. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I think we, he couldn't be three because we're still living in, in Dallas at the time when he asked me in bed, how do I know if I love someone? Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a rough road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you know, like you know, every every three year old, every five year old, every kid I know just loves without, yeah, questioning. Yeah, like he's like, I don't know if I love you or if I love mom. I don't know if I love anyone. Well, how do I know? Yeah, and 
And at that point, you know, I thought this is a profoundly philosophical question that I do not have an answer yeah. for. <laughs> you know, and I'm my answer you. was, um, "What matters that you know that I love you?" Yeah. You, you know, and um, and for whatever reason, you and Aaron are both high free thinkers, mm-hmm. but you're also um, you, you are intensely curious about everything, and you um, you second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think both of you had that. It's about the positive and negative thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's positive in that you um, it keeps you from being so narcissistic and arrogant where you just think you're right. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, because you're always second guessing yourself, going, "Was I wrong? Am I wrong?" Yeah. You know. At the same time, it can make you a little bit indecisive, going, "I'm probably wrong." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And I have that. I have that as well. And. Um, but I do know that as a family, and you know, we're going to wrap up. We work best when we're all for each other. Yeah. And when we're interconnected. And uh, man, you know, we took this assessment called the Strength Finder years ago. And it was when we're able to see all, I think it's 34 talents. Mm-hmm. And that, they don't show you all 34 anymore because everybody looks to see what's their worst. You yeah. know, they only show you your top five. And our top fives are somewhat similar, somewhat different. Mm-hmm. You and me and Aaron have very similar, you yeah. know, your mom's a little bit different than hers. But we all had the exact same number 34. <laughs> And I thought, wait a minute, we have the same bottom one. And by the way, if you don't know the strength finder, whatever your number 34 is, that's the talent you don't have. <laughs> yeah. They'll and, try to tell you it's the talent you have the least, but yeah. it just isn't the near. Your... <laughs> and all four of us, our number 34 was the same, and it was harmony. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so we have to realize that harmony doesn't come easy for us. Yeah. It isn't natural. Like, we're not going to just be ourselves and have harmony. Yeah. Harmony is, and then we're not even going to be that good at it when we try. Yeah. It's our number 34. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are a lot of other strengths we have to go through before we get to that one. And and so we have to replace harmony with loyalty. Yeah. You, you know, because um, we're just never going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's one thing. And I, I, I hate conflict. Yes, you do. You know, so, so much. It creates it because I have massively high empathy. Uh-huh. And uh, and one of the things I've had to like reconcile in my life is harmony is not even something I want. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just want, I guess what I want is is to know we're always for each other. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so that's our real big goal today is happy birthday, Aaron. We love you and we are so for you. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one question before we sure. end? What's your favorite thing about Aaron? Wow. My can you answer it too? Actually? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I you feel think, like I've I feel like I've said all of my favorite things about Aaron already. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about Aaron, and it'd be hard because I actually have a lot of favorite things, you know, mm-hmm. about Aaron. Um I, 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 I guess maybe my favorite thing about Aaron is ironically, this sounds, it sounds terrible to say this. It's like, but um, it's how much better I am when he's with me, which seems very self-centered. So I don't want to say that. But like he brings something into the room and into my life it just makes me want to do more and enjoy life more and risk more and create more. And maybe that's what I like about Aaron is that he's just always like 
he's endlessly pursuing a future. Mm-hmm. And that makes him, I think, really special. Yeah. All right, what about you? I think it is what I what we've been talking about. It's the loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can Aaron and I can go and have gone years without talking or years without, you know, like really cuz if we're being honest, we don't have the easiest relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but that I know that the second I humble myself or the second we want to bridge the gap, it's always the door's always open, mm-hmm. you know, that there's nothing ever too far or nothing that we can say that would ever, nothing that I can say that would ever make him not a place I can go back to, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's really rare now to have people that will forgive you endlessly, that there's no there's no bottom to that well he is. Mm-hmm. Endlessly forgiving and endlessly loving. And um, for me, as what I would consider the best friend that I have in this life, Mm -hmm. he is everything that a friend should be. Mm. So that's that's beautiful. On that note, we're going to bring this to a a wrap. And I want to thank you so much for co-hosting Battle Ready with me today. Thanks for having me. And um, Aaron McManus, happy birthday. We love you. Happy birthday. We love you. Just a few things and I want to say. All right. You're going to do the close. I'm going to do it. All I'm right, going to do the it. Aaron in honor of Aaron McManus. Right, Thank you, you for listening it. to Battle Ready. Please subscribe on YouTube. Thank you for everyone who's supporting us on Anchor. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. That's where people give some of their hard-earned money to help oh. Battle Ready happen. Super thank you for that, for supporting us. Um, Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and pre-order The Genius of Jesus. Awesome. September 14th. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Love you. I love you too, girl. Bye.